God's people, on today's show, I have the pleasure of interviewing President and CEO of Green Path Financial Wellness, Kristen Hope. She shares her story about how she went from being fired to CEO. You don't want to miss as she shares her family background, her education, but also how her company, Green Path Financial, can help you. That's right, y'all know we don't play games and promote weak stuff. We only promote the truth, and this is what we going to do. You can call it too. 1-800-550-1961. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggled to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your jeans. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire Guys People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. How y'all feeling, man? I'm excited for today's show, as usual. You know what I'm saying? I'm excited for every show. I need to find another word to say other than excited, but I don't know how to explain myself. You know, I'm not the best small talker in the world. I'm going to just be real with you, right? You know what I also don't know how to do? How to end conversations like, all right, I don't like to ignore people. You know, it's like a, a maybe a weird thing about me. I don't like to ignore people. So y'all know, like people who email me and things like that, you always get a response back, even if it's a week or two later. Um, and also, if you comment on my social media, I typically respond back. But I will be honest, right? It becomes a little difficult when you when you are responding to like a bulk group of people, but individually. So let's say if I have like 20 people commenting on a post and like, I'm really just trying to say thank you, <laughs> but I got to say it 20 different times to 20 different people, but it's on the same post. So it's like, thank you, bro. Thanks, sis. Appreciate you, fam. That's what's up. Yeah. It's like, it's only so many ways. This times I put on there. If you look on my page, I'll say gracias to some people. That's the only Spanish I speak is gracias. But I will say gracias just to switch it up. Anyway, I know that was a super random way to start the show. But I'm really excited about today's show, man. Excited about the interview with Kristen. And um, I actually, believe it or not, we conducted this interview uh, maybe three weeks ago now. And I really just wanted to wait until the right time to share it. Uh, we had Thanksgiving kind of coming up. You know, usually that week is kind of a slower week because people with their families and stuff. Um, but the last, you know, really since Thanksgiving, the last few weeks, the show has been, you know, back to normal, doing amazing. So I appreciate everyone who listens to this show all around the world, man. We've been blessed to reach several countries every single week. And I don't take any of you for granted. I will say this before we jump into the interview. Um, you know, for those of you who've been a part of the Inspire Guys People text family, I appreciate you. But as you know, um, or you should know. We have um, now switched to um, YouTube. I'm really going to try to focus on building the YouTube content. Um, so just search Inspire Guys People on YouTube, or you will see the link in the description of today's show. Um, you'll also see links in descriptions for um, Green Path Financial, the organization that Kristen is the CEO of. And anything you want to hear or see about the show, or not hear, but you know, if you want to click links and find my music, 
as you know, I'm an artist as well. Um, you know, I've been doing, you know, I got over 75 songs out. So if you search J Will Music um, on Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff, then you will hear all my music. Um, other than that, I think we are ready to jump into this interview. Um, I will say, you know, thank you for all the feedback from the last few shows. Uh, we've been doing shows about the digital economy, really, uh, the metaverse, cryptocurrency. I have other shows planned to go into that topic. If I'm being honest, um, you guys are responding way more than I thought y'all were. I thought this was going to be like super nerdy and, um, you know, not necessarily interesting content for the audience, but actually it's been the complete opposite. Um, these have been um, really, um, I guess, active listeners have been listening to these episodes because, um, to be honest, um, we've been getting even more f- feedback I can talk than usual. So let me know what other topics y'all are interested in in the digital economy. I think it's really important to talk about these things um, because this is the world we live in and we have to understand um, or be prayerful and, and, and seek the Lord about how to navigate the digital economy. What do we want to do? What don't we want to do? So uh, feel free to hit me up and you know email me, Music at gmail.com. Let me know if you want to hear more and what you want to learn about as it relates to the digital economy. And I will, you know, continue to make content around that. But today, man, faith in business um, is such a lovely topic to me. I love the opportunity, you know, this show presents for me to be able to talk to um, CEOs and business owners and entrepreneurs, just all types of individuals from all walks of life. And, uh, you know, it's no different here, man. I'm excited for this one. So um, just in time for the holidays as people are spending a lot of money um, and we don't want you to go broke, uh, but we also want you to learn like, what is the life of a CEO? Because look, a lot of times we're aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, I always um, find value in hearing from people who are leading organizations and learning from how they lead and how they think this information, wait, Information. No, I was trying to say interview. I can talk. This interview will be a wealth of knowledge. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Let me it. interview you. Here's what we gonna do. You gonna talk to me, and I'm gonna talk to you. Maybe on the phone or possibly in person. Either way it goes, we gonna be talking purpose. All right, God's people. I am so excited today um, to be on the line. Um, with a guest that I'll call her a special guest, even though we just met, because um, for those of you who listened to um, Lavelle's story about how he became debt free, um, somehow, some way, Lavelle actually got us an interview with the CEO and president of Green Path Financial Wellness, Kristen Holt. How are you doing today, Kristen? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you. Um, it, me and Lavelle, just so you know, if I say bad stuff about Lavelle, I don't really mean it. Um, he's a really important <laughs> part of this show, um, but we do like to uh, kind of give each other a tough time. So um, he has made one great contribution to this show so far in three years, and that is bringing you on as a guest. So, um, <laughs> well, you owe him because he's amazing, and I'm super happy to be here, and I really appreciate the introduction. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we're going to have a really dig into um, some of your background and um, some of the things that you've done leading up to being the president and CEO of Green Path Financial Wellness. We'll 
obviously talk about that. And maybe we'll even talk a little bit about Laville um, and, and kind of, you know, what he's doing. I know he's doing some things with you guys, um, kind of highlighting his story. So I'm excited, excited to see and hear more about that. But let's kind of start off, if it's OK with you. Tell us a little bit about who the young Kristen was, like what I'm really always interested in when I'm talking to people on this show is like, how did you end up on the path that you're on now? And kind of like what the younger you looked like versus the, you know, mature version of you now. Okay, sure. Yeah, I, you know, I definitely attribute the path that I'm on to God's hand in my life. And I really feel like, you, you know, you can't ever tell where he's taking you, but as long as you trust, you know, you're going to end up in the right place. And I really feel like I have. Um, so yeah, so going back to like childhood, um, you know, I, I was raised and, and taught about Jesus and taught to be a believer. And, um, certainly that was a big influence in my life. I was also, um, raised by my, my parents who were, you know, I'm so grateful are still in my life, uh, today all the time. Um, but it was really raised by them to understand financial responsibility in a way that was fairly real for, you know, for a kid. So my first job, I, I started working when I was like 10 years old. I had these little index cards and I wrote on them uh, that I was happy to dog sit or uh, water people's plants when we were <laughs> out of town. And I went and put them in all the little neighborhood mailboxes. Um, so some people hired me to do that job. And my parents taught me right from that moment to save 50% of what I earned. And so I had to put half away and then I could put half towards, you know, whatever it is I wanted to buy or, or something like that. And so they really instilled that um, importance of paying yourself first and saving first and only spending what was left after you saved the money um, from a very, very early age. And, you know, so I was really blessed to learn that. And I was also blessed to be able to live in that way. Um, so like I, I went to college, I decided to be an accountant. Um, so I'm a CPA by background, and I just kind of fell in love with accounting. I've always liked numbers, always had this passion for personal finance. Um, got my first job in public accounting after after graduating from college, passed a CPA exam. And I think it was through that that I started to realize the importance for me in doing work that mattered. So I was really good at being an accountant, and I worked um, in a you know, big firm and um, got moved up the ranks fairly quickly. I was only there a couple of years. Um, but after a couple of years, I remember this very distinctly, I was on an audit and we found this, you know, major problem. It wasn't really probably that major, but in my eyes, it was like, oh, there's this major problem. You know, I right. didn't have a lot of experience. And <laughs> right. so I, you know, did all this work to discover this problem, brought it to the attention of the audit partner. And through that process, and again, I was pretty naive at, at the time, but um, you know, basically saw the process of how the conversations would happen with management and with the auditing firm. And it was determined that, oh, this actually wasn't that big of a deal. And here was a way to fix it. And, you know, in hindsight now, I understand like those things happen. And oftentimes, you know, there are explanations and stuff. But yeah, I just remember feeling like, wow, why do we even audit? <laughs> and so I really, I kind of left that experience in like we did all this work. We found this, you know, major problem and it didn't matter. Yeah. And I thought, like, I don't want to do work that doesn't matter. Like, I'm working too hard for it to not matter. And so I left public accounting shortly thereafter, um, had a great opportunity to become a controller in a company. 
um, that was nonprofit, uh, not not your traditional type nonprofit, but it was you know work that was making an impact in the world. And I liked that. I liked to do work that I knew was like helping people and was making an impact. And I actually, that job that I landed as controller, I, I still remember distinctly, you know, in my 20s thinking if one day I could be a controller, <laughs> I will have made it. That will be like, that's it. That's where I want to be. And then I got that job at 23. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess better set some other goals wow. here. Um, and so, you know, it was it was a unique opportunity. And I and I really think, you know, again, God's hand was in play that I ended up, you know, I, it was actually a company that I had audited, got to meet people there. They took a chance on me in a job that I really was not qualified for um, because they had the experience of working with me. Um had an awesome CEO who hired me at the time, um, who was still a great friend to this day. And, you know, he really took a chance on me and kind of shepherded me, shepherded me through my career. And so I was there for a number of years and got some amazing experiences in a lot of um, international business and doing acquisitions and moved up. I was CFO for a while and then I moved into running a large division of the business. So really got some vast experience. Wow. Yeah, you had and a lot of you had a lot of senior titles in your jobs. I did, and a lot of that was, um, you know, being in the right place and you know working with people who trusted me and took a chance on me and gave me opportunities probably before I was ready, um, but they believed in me. And so I really I thought I was going to retire from that job. I like wanted to be CEO. I had it all mapped out, yeah. and then I got to a place over a few years. It took a few years. Where I started becoming more and more unhappy. And I remember like my family worrying about me and like, gosh, you're so unhappy. I remember my friends saying, you know, I remember saying like, I hate my job and wow. I just got to try to survive till I retire. I just wasn't passionate about it anymore. And I was having lots of different problems, you know, different, different stuff happening. And I just got to a point where I was really unhappy. That's and I was too, yeah, I was too scared to make a change. And so uh, God stepped in and I got fired. Oh, wow. <laughs> and oh, and wow. I was devastated. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that was unexpected. Dear Lord, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, totally unexpected. Um, maybe not completely, actually. I think I had predicted it maybe a few weeks before where I was like, I think I'm going to get fired. And I did. Did, did, you um, like, did you feel like you deserved it or was it like? Were, like uh, no of course not of course i didn't deserve it <laughs> but, <laughs> but in hindsight you know now that i'm removed from it and i can also see like okay god had a plan god always has a plan and even when you can't see it there's a plan um in hindsight you can't perform well when you're not happy and god doesn't want us to be doing work that we're miserable in either you know it was affecting so many so many aspects of my life that i just needed to make a change and i just couldn't do it on my own so so he put a hand in it but if i i just want to add a little piece that i think is really important For at sure. least to me in my journey so this happened i was let go in april of 2012 and i prior to that so say like 2011 and even before then had really been searching to find my church home and was struggling with just finding somewhere that i really felt like i belonged yeah and um, I was raised Catholic and I, I'm still Catholic, but I had strayed away from the Catholic church um, and I missed it. And mm -hmm. so a friend of mine was like, why don't you just go back to Catholic church? And so I, I went and met with this priest of the church that I belong to still. 
and I had been divorced um, in my 20s. And okay. so that was why I thought, like, I was like, eh, I don't know, Catholics don't really like that divorce <laughs> thing. And I think I'm kind of banned. And so I was going to other churches. And mm-hmm. um, so I met with the pastor of this church. And he was like, you're not banned. You should come back. And, like, he really explained everything to me. And he was just like, I think, you know, what would Jesus do? And I just, you know, try to treat people the way Jesus would treat people. I love and it. he, you know, brought me back to the church. And this was December 23rd of 2011. And finding that church home when basically three and a half months later I got fired, if I had not had that church home, it was like, I just knew in that moment, I was like, God was like setting me on this path to say like, you have to have somewhere that you feel home, that you can feel connected to me and and fulfill that need because you're going to go through some rough times. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, the timing was just incredible that it was like, yeah, like I can totally see that. And like, God is good. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? No, else? I'm no, I'm good. Go, go ahead. Um, I'm rambling. I, I wanted to. No, that's fine. No, that this is like this is really good insight, especially like kind of, um, you know, just looking at, you know, your career path. Right. Like from where you started being 23 years old and kind of feeling like the controller job was the dream job and having to kind of reset your goals. Um, that's something I want to dig in. But before that, um. I'm curious about your parents. Like you, you said they instilled in you like the importance of saving and from 10 years old, kind of having that first job and saving 50%, which is something, um, it's funny. Ironically, I I mentioned that probably like, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks ago on the show, like I was kind of, you know, talking about finances a little bit. And I was saying, anytime I get a lump sum of money and I wasn't telling people they had to do this, but this is just something that I've been doing for a while now. Anytime I get a lump sum of money, then I like to save half of it, like from the very start. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I don't even consider the other half mine. Um, and I remember like one of the first times I did that, me and my wife had sold a house and it was like, you know, at the time it was like, you know, the most money we ever had. And I'm like, okay, if I got the most money I ever had, then I need to figure out a way to keep the most money I ever had, you know? So that was yes. kind of like my plan there. But what I'm curious of is like, you know, what made your parents that way? Like, what it, you know, was it their jobs? Was it how they were raised? I'm just curious, like, you got it from them, but where did they get that mindset and that mentality from? You know, that is a great question. My parents got married really young and had no money. And I still remember my dad telling me that he like figured out because whatever job he had, um, you know, at a young age, he was probably 18 or something like that. Whatever job he had, he had to go out to lunch with people. And he figured out that the cheapest thing he could eat was eggs. And he <laughs> could get like the most, like the most food in his stomach for the least amount of money. And so he would eat eggs and bacon and toast, like the breakfast special kind of thing for lunch uh-huh. every single day, because it was the cheapest thing he could eat. And they just, so I, I don't know exactly where it came from, but they both had this mindset, from, you know, when they got married at, you know, 18, 19 years old, I think my mom was 19 and they just celebrated their 55th, or sorry, 51st wedding anniversary this oh, past summer. Um, and they're still, you know, madly in love. And, but they had that from day one where they just, they didn't have much money and they knew they had to save in order to you know, do better. And so they did this where they put, you know, they would save first and then you had to figure out how to live on what was left. 
And I just remember my dad always telling me about that, but I, I don't think it really came from their parents that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, so I don't know exactly how it came to be, but maybe, I mean, I think they both grew up poor. My dad especially grew up poor. And I think maybe it was just the, what he came up with to try to change that. Yeah. that I mean, speaking from experience that can do it. it it's funny. Like, I, I'm intrigued by so many aspects of life. Like that's one of them. Like, you know, I grew up poor, me and my wife both, you know, and you know, poor is like so vague, I know, but you know, mm -hmm. yeah. for American standards, I guess, right. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the inner city, not a lot of money, whole lot of love. Um, but at the end of the day, it's funny how some people I'm always intrigued by the fact that like some people like me, my wife, like we went through that and we got married fairly young and didn't have money. And it was like, at some point, like, yeah, I don't like this. Like, I don't like not having money and I don't like living check to check. And you're driven to like change that. And then some people accept it for whatever reason. Um, and I'm, I'm really like intrigued by the psychology of that. But what I love about kind of your story is like, I'm fascinated with this idea of like people who are able to successfully instill this in their kids. Because for me, like growing up poor and me and my wife don't have kids yet. And, you know, not like, again, just kind of like vaguely speaking, because I don't talk like about money and, and finances in terms of a lot or a little, because that's so like, you know, subjective. But, you know, for us, our kids will never, they will start much further than we were. We were, mm -hmm. it was like, ideally, I wish we could have had kids early and they would have been a part of like, they would have saw some of the struggle. Like, this is what it looks like. And now I'm like, in my mind, like, okay, whenever we have kids, I have to find a way like to not let them be shaped by having, you know, more than I did at least. Like, how do I give them that without, you know, making them back, go back and be poor. So I just like what your parents did as far as like setting you up, you know, at 10 years old and you were saving money and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Now, you know, again, you talked about your career from being a CPA. Like I said, you had a lot of senior, senior vice president, global food, senior vice president, chief financial, all of those things. So after you were fired, um, you know, can you tell me like what led you you know, into, you know, where you are today, right? Like, I think you were a COO at, at one place before you landed where you are now. Yeah. But can you talk about yeah. that a little bit? Like, how do you go from being fired to like picking yourself back up? You know, you talked about your church. What was next after that? Yeah. So one to your listener, like it happens to everyone. And that's why I do talk about it really freely and openly, because I know when it happened to me, I thought, the world was had ended and I was yeah. never going to get another job again. And how will I get back on this trajectory? And so I don't want people to believe that because it does happen to all of us. And a lot of times it's just, you know, it's just not the right fit. I just wasn't in the right place anymore. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> God couldn't get through to me. So he's like, okay, here's the way we'll get through to you. <laughs> um, and it, it did, it did get through to me. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, had to, start a job search from scratch. Um, I had to network. And one thing I, I learned that I didn't know is that I actually had a really strong network because of my community involvement that I had been super active in, in my job. Um, and so I was able to tap into that network pretty quickly. Um, and people were willing to take meetings with me. And so I started doing that. And I met through an, a couple of you know levels down, like it's never a direct connection. It's always somebody who can introduce you. And so I met with somebody that I knew who introduced me to somebody else who then um, was connected to the United Way in Detroit. 
and I had met with her and then about two or three months later she called me up and said hey I actually think you might be a fit for um, this newly created role at United Way in Detroit that wasn't published wasn't posted they were just kind of thinking about trying to find somebody and they wanted somebody who had operational and financial experience, which I had both being CFO and then running a company. And so I, um, through that connection, met the CEO of United Way, Mike Brennan, and he like completely changed my life and just the most amazing person. And he really taught me about one, knowing myself and understanding my strengths and understanding what gives me energy because he knows and taught me that when you're working in a place where you're working on your strengths, you're amazing and you can produce, you can just do so many great things. But I never understood that about myself and nobody had ever taught that to me. And that's kind of where like now I can connect the dot and say, Oh, I actually need to do work that matters. I didn't know that at the time, but when I look back in my life, I can see it. But he taught me to understand that about myself through, um, did this exercise called, um, Gallup's five strengths or strength finders, which is a pretty common thing out there in the world, but I had never heard of it. Yeah. Um, and discovered my strengths. And by understanding my strengths, one of my strengths is called significance, which sounds like kind of icky. But um, <laughs> as I understood it better, it's right. like what it means is that I like to work on really hard problems that make a real impact in the world. And I basically I want to leave a legacy. And I, I was like, it. oh. That's interesting. Like, I didn't know that about myself, but it's, you know, just a little assessment and like it's that out. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that is true. So once I knew that, then it could really guide like, okay, well, what is my legacy going to be? What kind of impact do I want to have? And um, United Way was an amazing experience, worked with a great team. And Michael also taught me um, one of my skill sets now is human-centered design, which is a unique way to drive innovation by really focusing on the person you're trying to serve or your user and understanding what their needs are and then designing around that need instead of designing around like what does the company need what is you know like a lot of times things are designed based on company to company yeah and this really takes it down to like who's the person and what do they need and he taught that to me and i was able to then take that learning into green path and that's really defined a lot of what Green Path is is an organization and how we try to make an impact by truly understanding the needs of the people who are calling us. So it sounds like the United Way opportunity is where you really developed who you were as a leader. If if I'm hearing yes, right, like exactly, you know, and it's it's funny, like you said a couple of things, like. Um, I kind of have this saying, "Know thyself." I did a whole episode on it maybe a month ago, um, just about understanding your strengths and weaknesses because. I think I'm at least surprised at like how many people don't know themselves. And I was once that way as well. But the pro and the problem with trying to like grow in purpose and in business, if you don't know yourself, it's kind of like being a, a, a wheel or a tire on a car and you don't know where a tire goes. So like, you're like, you're, you know, you're in the hood, you're like sitting in the front seat. It's like, Oh no, I'm a tire. And then when you get put in the proper place, then you can help the car move. So like, I love the fact that you talked about kind of knowing yourself and that's kind of dope to me. Like the whole significance thing, like, you know, you know, like you like to work really hard or or like to work on really hard problems and you want to leave a legacy. And just knowing that about yourself, I'm sure 
like unlock the did and maybe maybe instead of me assuming like I'll ask <laughs> did knowing that about yourself kind of unlock any new you know dreams or thoughts within yourself like did you it sounds like you probably already knew you wanted to be a CEO at some point but like did did that understanding and that knowledge unlock a new part of you that you didn't know existed totally totally I think I think the difference was I wanted to be a CEO before then because it was just like the next logical thing. Got so it. I was more like climbing a ladder and like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And as I said, and I thought I was just going to stay at that company that I had been at because, yeah. you know, I, I learned a lot, but I think everything I learned was more in that technical, like technical skill set, which is important. Um, but it was more about like what's next instead of why purpose i love it that like Kristen, i know it's it's so amazing this is why i love god like in like we always get the right guest on this show where it's like you you know you haven't listened to this show you probably didn't know about it before last week when we talked but the amazing <laughs> thing about it is like the stuff that you're talking about are things that over the last three years that we've been building on and developing and and to hear a story like yours is so amazing because it it brings things together in a way where people, where people can kind of see it in action. Um, I don't know if you've um, read Liz Wiseman's book, uh, Multipliers, but no. it's an amazing book um, first. But a lot of the things that you're talking about and kind of what you learned at United Way, um, different terminology, but the way she frames it up is that, um, you know, a leader should be, um, you know, kind of finding the genius in in those they're leading. So she mm -hmm. talks a lot about a multiplier is someone who finds the genius in their employees and then multiplies, right? They multiply and a diminisher does the opposite where, you know, you're kind of um, maybe bossing people around, but you don't know what their strengths are. You haven't really catered things to them, right? So you talked a lot about that, that stuff indirectly. That's why I was just curious, but no, um, that's a good book um, just by the way to check out. Um, I just wrote it down. Thank you. Cool. Um, yeah, you have to let me know. Shoot me an email at, at whenever you get to it. Um, even if it's a year from now, let me know what you think of it. I'm always talking about that book um, just because it's it's like a really cool book for leaders. Um, and I would imagine, you know, at your level, maybe that's another question I think may help people. Right. Because um, now I want to kind of talk about, you know, you now, like we know kind of who you were and how you got to where you are now. But as we you know, talk about the president and CEO of Greenpath, you know, and stepping into a, a big role. Right. Um, for you, what are kind of the things that, you know, drive you as a CEO or drive you as a leader, right? Because I would imagine at this point, and you've been a senior leader, but at this point being a CEO and stepping into that role, now you're leading an entire organization. So, mm -hmm. you know, you talked about how you kind of developed as a leader at, at the United Way, but how did you, um, start putting those things into action um, when you came to green path, um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that maybe the beginning, or you could tell us like, was it, is it awkward walking into a CEO role? Like, <laughs> you know, what is that like at that point? You know, cause I've been a man, I've taken over a management job and, and felt weird before. So I can't imagine what it's like to be a CEO. Yeah, it is a little bit weird, especially cause I wasn't at the organization. I joined as CEO, so I didn't really know anyone or, you know, just kind of walked in the door and I didn't know much about, you know, the company other than what I learned when I was researching and, you know, what I learned through the interview process. Um, so yeah, I'm trying, uh, 
it was weird. <laughs> right. I right. think I, I really, I was super committed to the mission. So always started with the mission and our mission is to empower people to lead financially healthy lives. And I saw an opportunity, which is what I presented in my interview. Um, and in fact, I still refer to what I presented in the interview because so the final presentation or the final process in the interview was that I had to show up and give a presentation to the board for what I wanted to do as CEO. And I showed up with my entire presentation drawn out on flip charts instead okay. of like in PowerPoint. So I am certain they were expecting me to show up with a PowerPoint. Yeah, that's a bold move. And instead I showed up with these drawings and I, and I thought I, exactly what you said. I was like, they're either going to love this or they're going to hate it. But if they hate it, they don't want to hire me. Man. And they ended up loving it. And it was, it was again, like it was back in this, like, or still in this place of like, I'm putting this in God's hands. This is how I'm feeling. I should do it. And this is, this is who I am authentically as a leader. And I'm going to show up as me. And if I don't get the job, it's because that was not the plan. Um, I had actually applied for the United Way CEO job and I did not get the job prior to this job. Um, Cause there had been a CEO change and that one too, I very much was like, I'm putting this in God's hands. And when I didn't get the job, I was like, okay, that was not the plan. I almost didn't even apply for the job for United Way. And then I, I remember this exact thought thinking, well, I can't really put it in God's hands if I don't apply. Wow. <laughs> I need to apply and then he can tell me what, what the answer is. That is powerful. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't want people to miss that. There's a lot that's being said today that I, I'm hoping that people are kind of catching the, the, the jewels that you're dropping because... I think it's easy for us to sit back and like pray and ask God to do something, but you know, faith without works is dead. And it's like, you can't, man, you can't really put it in his hands if you won't apply and move and go forward. So I, I love that you said that that's powerful. Um, yeah. as it relates to that bold move, I think that was a bold decision, like to go with the flip charts, but you, you said something super important as well. Like, you know, and, and one of the more important, like one of the impactful things that you said today, in my opinion, is that like this idea of like becoming your authentic self and going after purpose versus just climbing the career ladder. And I think for some people, it's almost like unimaginable because work is looked at as something that they have to do. Like, can you just talk a little bit about how do you become your authentic self at work? where you found your the purpose in what you're doing and you no longer have to kind of like put on an act right because you kind of went from hating your job at the other place getting fired and going to united way um and kind of discovering that purpose in what you were doing yes so i, I do think it starts with knowing yourself as i said and like yeah. understanding what gives you energy because you're gonna you're gonna like do amazing things if you're doing those things that give you energy and that you're excited about. And I think that aligns with your purpose. So if you're excited about it, whatever it is, so it doesn't have to be working at a nonprofit. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be something that like, I'm lucky and very blessed that I can so directly connect the dots to the yeah. impact that I'm having, but you can have purpose in so many things. And I think it's just, um, you know, finding that within your work. And then if you're not finding it, you know, trying to get more clear on like, okay, what is it that gives me energy? What would make me feel like I have purpose? Um, and then, you know, seeking that out over time. Obviously, you know, we do have to work. We do have to have a job. Um, 
And so, you know, I'm not saying like quit your job today and yeah, like yeah. find that other thing, but you know, start, start looking for it and talking about it too. I think, you know, in many companies, you know, I know at our company, our goal is for our team members to be able to be their whole selves at work and to be living their purpose and living their passion and being able to show up as who they authentically are. And I, I think more and more companies are, are going that way, but I think they would be open to that conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it's the same world that it was 20 years ago. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and part of that, it kind of goes to what you said about putting it in God's hand, but you have to move forward. It's like, and you said it, like, talk about it, read about it, learn about it. Um, I would encourage anyone out there who feels like, man, I don't know how to be my authentic self or, you know, I don't know what my purpose is, which is, you know, this show is about that process. And you said like, sometimes it takes years. Like I can tell you, I've been working in corporate America for 15 years now. And, um, as I've kind of worked my way through a fortune 50 organization, it's been, um, I've gone through like different phases, like from entry level, the version of myself was completely different. Um, than who I am today as a senior manager. And so I think the process is something that people have to be committed to, because if you're looking for the answers overnight, you will literally never find them. Like there's no way you could have all the years of experience that you have, like to be a CEO, it took every single one of those years. I'm sure like mm-hmm. you, you couldn't have had a shortcut. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about Green Path. Um, maybe before you get into like what Green Path is and what you guys do, or, or you can answer this however you feel free. Um, the the last question, I guess, personal to you in relation to um, being a CEO, what I'm curious of is like, what is a day in the life of a CEO? Like some of us have no idea. And so I'm just curious, like, you know, what does that take? Is it, was it more than you expected? Um, do you feel like maybe how long did it take you to feel capable? Um, it it seems intimidating from the outside looking in. So that's where the place I'm asking a question from is like, for, for those of Mm -hmm. us who don't know what that's like, kind of give us a peek behind a curtain of like a day in the life of a CEO. Sure. Uh, you know, every day is different and I still try to bring it back to my strengths and like, I can look back on a day and think to myself, okay, that was the day that gave me energy because I was doing things that are aligned with my strengths. And like, then there's other days where it's like, oh, that was kind of (laughs) boring and I hate being bored. (laughs) So, you know, you have, you have a little bit of everything. Um, But for me, I think the opportunities I love are are getting to know our team and getting to know our clients. Um, So like getting to meet Lavelle was just awesome um, because it just reminds me like why we do the work every day. And then our team, like one thing I have the privilege to do is I meet with every single new hire class that joins Green Path. And I do an exercise with them. Um, I have this drawing thing that we do. So our big, hairy, audacious goal, which is like a good to great Jim Collins, there's a book for you, it's been (laughs) around forever, but like that's where we're trying to get Green Path is to fulfill this big, hairy, audacious goal, which is to remix the American dream so it works for everyone. And so with that, I meet with all of our new hires and we draw out, have each person draw out what their version of their American dream is. And it might be spending time with family. It has all these, like, there's like six different boxes they can draw pictures in. 
um, because our dreams are not just one thing. They're multifaceted, right? So it's like it's our family and it's freedom and it's, you know, whatever it is to each yeah. individual person. Um, and it's one of my favorite things to do is to connect with these new team members and help them connect with our BHAG and our mission. Um, because our team can't help our clients achieve their dreams if they're not clear on what their own dreams are and don't feel like they're proceeding to their own dreams. And I do that somewhat, I think, probably from, you know, my lesson learned from getting fired, too. Like, I don't think I had ever taken the time to really think about what's important to me and what are my dreams. And so I want all of our team members to take that time to do that. And if they, you know, if Greenpath's not in their dreams, then they probably don't want to be working at Greenpath for the long run. But maybe we can help them get to whatever that next step is that is part of their dreams. So that's one of the coolest things I get to do. But I mean, there's a lot to it. I, I interact you know, with our board of directors, um, external partners. We do a lot through partnerships at Greenpath. We work with a lot of credit unions and big credit card companies. And then we're always trying to discover new partnerships. Um, so meeting with you know fintech companies and just you know other companies out in the world. Last week I got to um, travel to Washington, D.C. and speak with our chief marketing officer. She and I uh, spoke together um, to a group of collection agencies, and we were sharing about our inclusion, diversity, equity, and access work, which we just published a white paper on the work that we've done in that space. Nice. Um, so it's like everything's different. Every day is different, and some of them are awesome. Like that was just a super cool experience. And uh, sometimes it's boring. Yeah, <laughs> but for and the most part, okay. it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's reality, right? Like you right. know, for for any of us, like regardless of what we're doing and what we're going after, I love that because it's like, you know, there's no, there won't be perfect days the rest of our lives, and that doesn't mean that something is not the right place or thing for you. It's just like, hey, it was a rough day. I have them all the time. Um, okay, so this kind of like reminds me of a quote that I read that you you had I think in your bio maybe but it's like financial wellness is a cornerstone for pursuing our dreams can you talk about what that really means to green path and like you know you talked about Lavelle and maybe talk about what you guys do and why is it important you know to kind of you know get our finances in order to become debt free in order to pursue pursue our dreams sorry yeah so, so much in that, but, um, you know, finances can be a source of extreme stress for people when they're not in good shape and they can be in a source of extreme stress, even when they are in good shape, <laughs> they, can, they can create this massive stress. Yeah. And so oftentimes people are coming to green path when that stress is there and that stress creates a huge barrier to all aspects of your life. So not just your dreams, but even just being able to sleep at night. And yeah. so, um, you know, it's really important to get things in order and Green Path is there to help people get it in order. So I think sometimes people feel like they have to do it on their own. I think LaBelle felt that way as we shared, at least um, well, you know, when we were talking with them, um, that like, oh, I got it, I can handle this, or I should be able to handle this, or like, ah, I shouldn't have gotten to this place as my mess, I gotta clean it up. and um, you know, we're there to be that partner in cleaning up the mess. Obviously, you, the person, if you've gotten into a mess, and oftentimes the messes are of no fault of your own. That's one of the mantras we have, we tell to all of our clients, that we tell them, it's not your fault, you're not alone, and you're going to be okay. 
And people sometimes struggle with the, it's not my fault, but it's like, there's so many things out there in the world that are working against people to make it hard to make good financial decisions right down to even our brains. So we study like the brain science and behavioral economics of like how our brains are literally conspiring against us to make the right financial decisions in the long run. And there's, there's like a whole study at like Duke university has a whole like thing on it. And you read these things and you're like, Oh yeah, I do that. Uh, but it's like, you know, our human brain's inability to um, like think in the long term and to make sacrifices in the short term. Like literally our brains don't want us to do that. I got to read so, that study. I got to check it out. I love that. I love stuff like that. Yeah. It's the Duke common sense lab. And I think it's like, E-N-T-S, Common Sense Lab, but there's a whole bunch of stuff on their website and they have these, um, you can download these cards that are behavioral economic cards that describe all these, dif- there's 52 different behavioral economic principles. I'm so, going to check yes, that out. It's kind of, it's kind of fun, <laughs> uh, but it's kind of scary too because it's like literally my brain doesn't want me to be financially healthy. <laughs> it's like, nope. Yeah. But that's <laughs> the thing, like when we, when we realize that type of stuff though, like we can understand the importance of like why we have to be so proactive and like, that's yes. why I'm like, and trick so, ourselves. yes, like you're fighting yourself almost is like, I got to deny myself because if I get this lump sum, I have to put up 50% because if I don't, I literally don't trust me. Like I always want something, Kristen. It is right. never a time that I don't want something. So, you know, I, I love that. And um, it's not you. It's our brain. Yeah. It's all of our brains. So <laughs> right. that's the thing. It's like, we don't have to feel bad or feel shame. Like there's so much shame when it comes to finances and that's why people don't call us because I think they're, they're just afraid or they they're in this place of shame and there is no shame in reaching out to green path and we will help you and you will feel better. Like the minute you hang up the phone, I promise. And I can tell you, you can hear it better from him. Yeah. I can tell And Lavelle, like he came on and he, he told his entire, like Lavelle, he holds nothing back. So they have heard like all of the ins and outs of his story. I can tell y'all, really care a lot about people, both you personally, um, just from hearing uh, like your core values and, and some, some of the things that come out in your conversation, but also, you know, the organization, because I'm a really close personal friend of Lavelle's and I was there like, while in real time, while he was like going through that debt, you know, I've been here the whole time as his friend. And like, there was a time where it was like, I mean, 40, $50,000. I was looking like, man, like, I don't know. Even when he first told me about, you know, the fact that he had gone through um, you guys or Green Path, I'm like, oh, that, don't, that don't really sound like, you sure? But mm-hmm. you guys have an emphasis on people. So what I want to ask about that is like, for people out there listening and, you know, you know, I don't know, like, is it kind of US based? Um, I just want to know, like, who should be calling you guys? Like, can you give us a, if a person is out there listening and they're going through a financial situation, maybe it's credit card debt, um, does it matter where they live? Like who should be calling green path or logging on and, and finding you guys online, which everything is in the description of the show, but I'll share some of those details before we get off. Like who should that, who are those people that should be contacting you guys? So anyone who lives in the United States, the work we do is in the United States, so we don't do Canada. There are companies who do like what we do in Canada. Um, but if you live in the United States, and you have a question about your finances or if your finances are causing you any amount of stress at all, or you're even just like, yeah, I'm not sure about this financial decision I'm about to make. I want to talk to somebody about it. Call us. 
So okay. we're especially, especially good at helping people pay off their credit card debt in a like just like Laval's story. So if you are not paying your credit card bills off in full every month, call us. And we can work through a plan with you to get to a place where all of that debt is paid off, repaid by you. You're, you know, you're repaying all the principal. So this is not those funny, shammy companies that are out there that tell you the credit card companies don't want you to know you don't have to pay your bills, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, you will repay your principal. But as Lavelle shared, we can get the interest rates down to a place that you can actually make progress and repay those amounts of debt. But you don't have to be $50,000 in debt. But if you are, that's fine. If you're $5,000 in debt, we can help you with that too. If you're just not quite making it every month and paying it all off in full, we can talk to you about that and help you, you know, balance the budget better to be able to do that on your own. Um, so I would say, yeah, anybody who wants to improve their financial situation, but in particular, if you have credit card debt or if you have any struggle with your mortgage, your rent payment, anything on that, or if you, you know, you're looking to buy your first home and you want to figure out how to have strategies to save for the down payment, putting that 50% aside when you get a lump sum of money, great strategy, hiding <laughs> yeah, <thank laughs> it from yourself. So you can't, uh, yeah. you can't touch it. Got to hide the money. Gotta <laughs> hide not it. very accessible. <laughs> Don't make it easy to get to it. I tell um, people that so, all the time. Yeah. So those are all tricks. Yeah, I, I do too. My husband drives me crazy because he'll like get money out of the ATM. And I'll have been saying like, yeah, our checking account's negative. And he's like, I just took money out of the ATM. It says we got five grand in there. I'm like, it's not really <laughs> negative. I just hide it. So right. I, we think it's negative. So don't spend the money because it's not there. You got to <laughs> do It's so funny. Like you got to do that. I tell people all the time and it's like, it's tough sometimes because, you know, one of the things about financial growth and, you know, depending on where you come from, like, you know, I, I grew up around people who are not necessarily thinking about finances. Right. And it's like, you know, a lot of times you're in survival mode and that's mm -hmm. something that yeah. I'm always trying to get people to graduate from. I think that is admirable and is necessary at times in our lives where we just got to survive. But, you know, a lot of times we're in a position where, you know what, I realize I actually am making some money. I, you know, I, I shouldn't be struggling at this point and we got to kind of graduate um, to that to that next level. And you do. I tell people like, look, I don't have access to all my money like I can't because. I can't get to it fast. Like I make sure I cannot get to everything fast. And I think at least my philosophy is we have to condition ourselves to be able to live off of, you know, enough and not everything. I think the natural position for most people is just, Hey, if I make, you know, $40,000 a year, like I spend 40 and it's like, no, you got to try to find a way to live off 20 if you make 40 and, and so on and so forth. So exactly, um, you got to live off what's left and you got to start by paying yourself first. Like that's the I think one of the greatest opportunities is whenever somebody starts a new job or has an income change. But like if you're on unemployment and now you're starting a new job, you've got to set it up right up front to you know do as much as you can in the 401k or whatever retirement is available or if, or if they don't offer retirement do it to yourself, set yourself up to an IRA and take it right off the top. Yep. So then you budget off what's left, not off the top number. <laughs> so Agreed. take out the taxes and the savings <laughs> and the goals and all of those things. I'm like, okay, this is what's left. How can I figure out how to live on what's left after that? And yeah, sometimes that doesn't work. Um, but it's, you know, if you've been paying off of, you know, less income and then you get a new job or you get additional income, 
that's the time to not change how you're living because you were living off less. And so any of that incremental make that be the savings that can grow over time. And I'm sure I'm going to find this when I look in this Duke study that you mentioned, but I'm always curious, like, I know for me and my wife, I'll just use like just a starting number, like literally back in. And it's funny when I look at the dates, like I kind of like parallel stuff sometimes. And it's funny, like back in around 2012 was when I kind of had my aha moment because we had got um, denied for a home loan back then. And that was Mm -hmm. like what set me off. And I've been nine years straight of just like set that set me off. Right. Um, but you should call Green Path. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> In that moment, I was like, "Whoa!" If I would have known about Green Path, I definitely needed it back then. But what's always funny is like once we started paying off debt and kind of like getting our stuff together, the next step. And, and I'm saying this because I'm curious what you think about it, and if this is maybe I'm left field and, and maybe not. But like a lot of times, I think people talk about like getting out of debt and things like that, but then we don't teach people how to have money. And what I mean by that is like for us, it was like, all right, we did all this stuff to start paying off debt. Then we started saving money. And when we had our first thousand dollars saved, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but at the time we had nothing and we never had yeah. savings. When we had That's our great. first thousand dollars, we had to learn how to have money, meaning you're now looking at a thousand. And I'm like telling my wife, I'm like, Tiff, like, no, we can't. Like, she didn't understand why I was saying we couldn't go somewhere. She's like, well, like we have a thousand dollars. I'm like, no, like. Now we have to learn how to have money and discipline ourselves to be able to look at a thousand so we can have 5,000 and 10 and so on and so forth. So I don't know if that's something that you guys deal with at all or something, something that you've come across. But a lot of times I think that's a huge issue of like just being able to have money without having the itch to spend it all. Yes, it is. Especially, yeah, if you haven't been seeing that money and now it's there and you've been, you know, depriving yourself and not going on vacation and not spending money, not doing all these things, it is tempting. And so that is why I think you have to hide it. So I, you know, I set savings goals for different things and, you know, you want to have an amount for emergency savings. So a thousand dollars would be a great emergency savings fund to start. And so then you have to call it like, nope, that's not a thousand dollars in my bank account. That's my emergency savings. And so then what, so we want to go on vacation. Okay. Let's figure out how much a vacation is going to cost. And let's say it's going to be a thousand dollars. Well, okay. How much can we save to build up that next thousand dollars that we can use for vacation? And you set that up as a new savings goal. And it helps to probably have a few different savings goals going at once um, that you're putting a little bit towards each of them and having longer term ones like retirement. So emergency savings fund is one thing retirement would be the next thing. And of course you want to do your, um, you know, whatever you can through your employer. That's always usually yeah. the best way to go is to save through your employer. But if you're able to max that out, then you look at saving in addition to that, because we're never going to have enough money to retire. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So setting up all those different goals. So it's okay to have a goal that's shorter term, like a vacation, but you don't want it to be your entire bank account. And, and you know, that's one thing we do with pre-purchase counseling with the housing. So we find oftentimes people set that goal to save for the down payment. And then they put it all into the house because that's what they set, they set the goal that way. Like I need $5,000 for the down payment for this house. And then they have no other money saved. And so that's one thing we really help people with that counseling. Like, okay, so let's talk about emergency savings. Let's talk about having a budget for repairs to this house that you're excited to own Yeah. Um, and setting up new goals for that. And so, yeah, I think it helps to like, 
earmark things and call them things. And then it doesn't feel as like just money sitting in the bank. I love that. It's like you're diversifying, you know, your budgeting because, and then you got to have a discipline, right? Not to spend the emergency fund on a vacation or, you know, whatnot. Right. Right. That was on an emergency. Tires is an emergency. And that's what people (laughs) struggle with. Cause like, there are times that it's like, you know, if somebody calls me and asks me for money or something like that, and I'm like, well, I don't have it. And sometimes people don't understand it because they're like, "Mm, I know you got some money, but it's like, well, I don't live in one bucket of money and just like freely go at it. It's like, nope. You know, me and my wife just took a vacation last week. Like, okay, that's the vacation money. That doesn't mean that I can like go and spend other money on that. And it's, it's something that you grow into, but I love the fact that you said start small. Like it can, I don't want people to be intimidated. Like you said, it can be a thousand dollar goal for two different accounts and you're putting $10 a week, $20 a week. You got to start somewhere. Um, Exactly. And it will build up like you $10 a week will make a difference. Cause it's ten dollars more than you were saving before. That's a lot of money. It's funny, like what? It's funny how much money is actually a lot of money as it compounds. Like, yeah, ten dollars every single week. Like, that's that's a lot of money saving up. So, um, Kristen, I know we're uh, just about at time. A couple things before we get out of here. I just want people to know um, they can find Green Path at greenpath.com. Um, again, you can look in the description of the show and the notes, and you'll see all these links. Also on Instagram, Green Path Financial. And for anyone out there who wants is like, I don't I don't have time to wait and go online. I just want to call them. The number is 800-550-1961. Again, 800-550-1961. Um, we don't even do a lot of promoting on this show and people know that. But Lavelle is like a, a longtime partner of this show and he is a real life example. So I really trust Green Path. And after talking to you today, Kristen, um, I have even more confidence in you guys. So I have no problem uh, telling my listeners that they should check you guys out. I'm going to give you the last word. Anything you want to say before we get you out of here? Oh, well, I'm just grateful to be here. And I I hope, you know, something I've said will resonate with someone out there. And, you know, I prayed before I got on the show. I said, God, just, you know, whatever it is you want me to accomplish with this time, you know, it's it's yours. So I hope that that will just come true. This was amazing. And I know for a fact that some people are going to get something out of it. If y'all call Green Path, let Kristen and the team know that you came by way of Inspire God's people. Kristen, this was amazing. Thank you so much for your time and hope and pray that you have an amazing rest of your day and rest of your career and just nothing but success moving forward. Um, Don't hesitate to ever reach out to me if you need me. Okay. You too. Thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you. New mercy, can I get some? New day, new journey, can I get some? New job, new money, can I get some? I woke up feeling brand new. New grace, new mercy, can I get some? New day, new journey, can I get some? New job, new money, can I get some? I woke up feeling brand new. Girl feeling brand new, wondering what we could do Just to be productive, you won't catch me catching Pikachu Too busy, too witty, won't see a crew with me But I keep it a hundred like two fifties That's kinda hard these days Cause everything you say, they feeling some kind of way I'm like, what's the way to heaven? They like some kind of way I'm like, day Monday, this is some kind of day So to work I go, go, go New grace, new mercy, can I get some? New day, new journey, can I get some? New job, new money, can I get some? I woke up feeling brand new. New grace, 
grace, new mercy, can I get some? New day, new journey, can I get some? New job, new money, can I get some? I woke up feeling brand new. New grace, new mercy, man, I need some. Not your average artist and I never want to be.